Welcome to the Age of Organizational Effectiveness. This is the podcast that explores stories about organizations and their performance. I'm your host, Charles Chandler. This week, we're at episode 85. And I'm calling this, We Are All Knowledge Workers Now. And this is also the last week of 2017. And so toward the end of the episode, we'll be talking a little bit about a look back to 2017 and and before in the podcast and looking forward to 2018 and some things that might be coming in the future. But let's get started on why we are all knowledge workers now. It was Peter Drucker that in 1959, in one of his books called The Landmarks of Tomorrow, said the most valuable assets of a 21st century institution, whether business or non-business, will be knowledge workers and their productivity. And, of course, knowledge workers are those that take a body of knowledge and apply it to the work. We know them primarily as professionals. These days, most of them have degrees from university. And there are people like doctors and lawyers But in 1959, knowledge uh, occurred mostly in encyclopedias or with inside firms uh, in in the form of tacit knowledge about how to do the work and the way that things are done around here. But compared to 1959, today's workplace is vastly different. Knowledge is on the web, and we are all basically knowledge workers now because we all have to, to function in this modern society. We have to take a body of knowledge and apply it to our work. There are so many bodies of knowledge that are embedded within the things we interact with every day. For instance, in 1959, a secretary used a typewriter and transcribed the handwriting of the executive onto sheets of paper um, using the typewriter and uh, perhaps carbon copies to create the necessary duplicates for various departments of the firm. And nowadays, the secretary, if there is a secretary, types in the computer into Word or some other document processing program, and it's automatically spell-checked and grammar-checked. And then the number of copies can be easily provided by the machines. And email is the method of choice for sending things uh, hither and yon. But within these machines is embedded knowledge, and even the secretary needs to know how to best take the abilities of that machine and that the programs in the machine and use them to be productive in the work. In the old days, a janitor was viewed as simply a manual worker that cleaned the floors and tidied the facilities. Nowadays, uh, janitorial services are often contracted out, but those on the staff of the firm doing the work need to understand the chemicals and the products that are being used on the floors and in the various facilities to do the cleaning and the various machines that are available for vacuuming, sweeping, and otherwise doing much of the manual work that was done by people earlier. There is a body of knowledge, a way of doing things that's embedded for efficiency in these various tasks. And so it's very hard to find workers these days that do not have to understand the embedded knowledge that was designed by 
those that created the products and the machines and the services that they are and are using in their work. So we're all knowledge workers now, not only because we use knowledge, but because we all need to be creative. In the old days, in 1959, it was a land of command and control based on military hierarchy, pyramid charts in organizations, and the um, directives came down from on high, including the objectives and the methods to be used, and the workers were often viewed as cogs in the machine, and efficiency was the prime directive. But now, the environment changes rapidly, and workers on the periphery are closest to the action and closest to the customer, and are the ones that are adding most of the value, either in the, in the new products or in the services that are being produced. Instead of paying simply for obedience and efficiency, firms and organizations nowadays need to harness the entire humanity of the worker and unleash the creativity and the mind and to engage fully the worker in the work. To do this, organizations need to give employees a say in the way the work is done, as well as in the objectives of the work. It was in the Japanese auto industry, using the techniques of total quality management, uh, that was found that all the workers were knowledge workers, and they all needed to have a say in when to stop the production line and how best to interact with each other and with the work. So why is this important? It's, it's because... As we alluded to in the last episode, episode number 84, 2017 data from Gallup indicate that only 21% of employees report being managed in a way that engages their creativity, and only about one-third of workers overall in the U.S. are actively engaged with their work. This means a lot of workers are alienated from their work and that are simply trudging through the day without engaging their minds and their hearts to the tasks at hand. Instead of the pyramid chart of most organizations, we need to find a way to invert the pyramid and to engage workers widely in the task. One way we have argued to do this in the past in this, in this podcast is management by positive organizational effectiveness. Here, the goal of every organization is the same, that is to be effective within its environment and to exchange benefits with its environment in order to survive and thrive. And that means serving its environment in ways that generate demand-side response of uptake adoption and use of the offerings uh, being made by the organization. Effectiveness in this case is about translating intention, supply-side intention of the organization, into demand-side performance. And as the environment is always changing and the actors on the demand side are always changing, in other words, customers and suppliers and, and these others, employees need to be fully engaged so that they're enabled to ask afresh every day how best to serve the environment, and how can we improve our service today. This is the only way for organizations to adapt and remain relevant uh, going forward. It then becomes a question of the portfolio of offerings and the effectiveness of that portfolio. And as items in the portfolio become less effective, new items come online from the pipeline in reserve. So we're all knowledge workers now. Management is not a class of Brahmins that dictates, as in the past. Instead, we need servant leaders as managers and as C-suite executives. The first job of management is to take care of the workers, to take away the fear, and to engage them fully in the work. So that's all I wanted to say about that. 
today. Let's look a little bit backward toward what we've done in this podcast at the end of 2017. We're now at episode 85. If we were to summarize what has been our thrust in this podcast, it is that we're concerned with the big questions of management. What is management? How does it work? What is holding us back from effective management? And we've been searching for models going forward, models that organizations can utilize in this new environment that we find ourselves in in the 21st century. Command and control is no longer working. Workers are not interchangeable cogs in a machine. We should think of organizations more as complex adaptive systems, and it's a network that holds the organization together. System rigidities need to give way to a freedom, a personal, a personal freedom for workers to realize their own goals and objectives and to stay with a firm because they want to, not because they have to. We've been searching for paradigms that work in management and in society in general. We see the new role of management as servant rather than as master and that we must learn from each other and what works and what doesn't work in our various organizations. That's why we tell stories about organizations and their performance. Stories are very powerful and convey the essence of the unique situation that we can all learn from. Looking forward to 2018. More episodes will be on the way. We hope to look at more more of the big questions that still remain before us. In addition to the podcast, I'm exploring ways to promote many of the ideas that we talk about here. Of course, the book, um, my book, um, Become Truly Great, Serve the Common Good Through Management by Positive Organizational Effectiveness, came out in January of 2017, and um, that was in the Kindle and the softcover editions. Uh, It was not until March that the hardcover came out in 2017. Uh, Looking forward in the new year, 2018, Uh, We're developing actually a course, one or more courses, around the book and around topics in the podcast. We would also expect to have a private Facebook group in the future uh, so that we can develop a bit of a community and exchange ideas more easily. I would be also interested to know if many of you would be interested in a live event in Texas, perhaps sometime in the new year in 2018 and if that would be something you would be willing to attend. If so, uh, send me an email at cchandler at assumptionanalysis.com. That's my email. That email can be found on virtually every page of our podcast website, ageofoe.com. Please tell me whether you would be interested in a course as well and the live event and the private Facebook group. On the heading of the email, just put OE podcast. And if you're doing this from your cell phone, you can just put in a couple of words like Facebook live event and course. But if you have ability to type more freely, feel free to put together some sentences and paragraphs that uh, describe what you might be interested in, as well as reflect on anything you might have gained from listening to this podcast. And that's it for this episode. Join us again next time when we'll again explore stories about organizations and their performance. In the meantime, you can explore all of our podcasts at our website, ageofoe.com. And that's all for now. So long.